Lord God, thank you so much for this privilege we have today of gathering as your sons and daughters. Thank you, God, for loving us in such a way that we can come to you with great confidence. Father, thank you for every song that's been sung today. Thank you for every prayer that's been lifted up. Thank you, God, for all the ways that you've already shown yourself to be here with us. Now, God, as we come to this time of preaching, we thank you that we get to sit together under your word. And I pray that you would use your word to teach us, guide us, direct us, rebuke us, to form us into the men and women of God you've called us to be. Lord, we love you. It's good to know that even before we did, you loved us. Thank you, God, for your perfect love. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who came and lived and died so that we might have life eternal. Thank you for calling us from death to life, from darkness into your everlasting light. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the light of the world. Thank you for lighting our path, keeping us in perfect peace. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Speak to us now as only you can. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people say together, amen. Amen. Good morning, Sanctuary. It is my honor and privilege to have this time to be with you all today. Uh, can you put your hands together and help me thank God for our worship team and our band, for the production staff, uh, for all of our volunteers who helped to make Sunday happen. Uh, it is a, a lot of moving parts and a multifaceted uh, gathering on Sundays, and so we're grateful uh, for all of you for, uh, for serving in the ways that you do. Um, just before we jump into the word today, I, I do want to highlight a few things happening this month. Lisa uh, certainly gave us uh, our, our announcements this morning already, but I, I just want to put a little bit of a pastoral emphasis on a few things that I, I feel like are important for us in this season. Um, as you heard this morning and last week even, uh, it is our month of prayer here at the Sanctuary Covenant Church. And for the last four years, since 2019, we've set aside the month of January as a month of prayer, as an opportunity for us to, rather than just rushing into the new year and jumping right back onto the hamster wheel, we wanted to take a little time here at the beginning of the year to reflect on what God did in our lives and in our life together as a church in the previous year, in 2022. And we wanted to intentionally invite God into our plans for this coming year. And so as we, this month, have created some space for you as a congregation, you individually, friend groups as well, life groups, we invite you all to take advantage of a number of opportunities that are set aside for us to be praying together as a church body. 
On Sundays, we'll have our prayer room right outside these doors in the red room. Uh, th- there'll be some time set aside there for you to, s- to sit and pray in a space provided for that beyond the worship service. Uh, on Saturday mornings, there's a, a prayer uh, Zoom call that we do with, uh, led by Elder Rosemary, our, the chair of our elder board here at Sanctuary and a prayer warrior in our church. Uh, But I I especially want to call attention to something happening this Friday into Saturday. We are entering into 24 hours of prayer and fasting as a church. And for some of you, you've been in churches where where they do prayer and fasting. For others of you, you may be new to the idea of fasting and, and 24 hours of prayer. And we wanted to invite us as a church, as we grow in our faith, to take advantage of that opportunity. And so from 6 p.m. on Friday to 6 p.m. on Saturday, we're inviting you uh, to fast from food or, if that's not possible because of some health precaution uh, or some health condition, to fast from some other things for 24 hours. And then there are one-hour prayer slots that we're hoping that people can sign up for so that for 24 consecutive hours, someone within or some folks within the life of our church will be praying for our church, for the families of our church, for this community and beyond. And my hope is that all of you have been thinking about this and will go ahead and sign up for one of those one-hour prayer slots. It's not something uh, you have to do on your own. Perhaps it's an opportunity for you to gather four friends and each of you share in 15 minutes of prayer within that hour. Whatever you decide to do, my encouragement as your pastor is let's be praying together, sanctuary family. When we look at the moves of God throughout the history of the church, they happen after prayer. We need to be praying together so that we can be prepared and built up for what God wants to do in us and through us this year. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so we would encourage you to go ahead and sign up for that. And then later this month, we will celebrate our 20th anniversary as a church. Sanctuary is growing up, y'all. The acne is starting to clear up. We have our own car payment now. Like We're probably still on our parents' insurance, but we're growing up. We're growing up. And so we want to celebrate 20 years of God's faithfulness to us as a church. Our church has has changed quite a bit over the years, but what has not changed is first that Jesus is the core of who we are and what we are striving for, amen, and that we are called to serve North Minneapolis and beyond. And so as we come together to celebrate on the third Sunday of this, the fourth Sunday of this month, which will be the 22nd of September, we want to celebrate and we're going to have a gospel brunch that day. We're going to have an 8.30 service and an 11 o'clock service to give us enough time to do what we want to do that morning. And we're asking everybody to go ahead and register for one of those two services. It is a free event, but we need every single person to register for that day. And I've been at Sanctuary now for almost 12 years, and I know Sanctuary, and I know my people too, and there will be some of us who will not register for this gathering and then show up on that day thinking we can get in. It it won't happen that day. And so I'm asking all of you, even if you have to go ahead and take a little time while I'm preaching, did I just say that? I don't know. (laughs) 
sign up for the gospel brunch on the 22nd. <laughs> I see some, Elder Nestor, I see you, you, you're looking at your phone. Go ahead and sign up for the gospel brunch. We, we want all of you to be a part of it. Space is going to be somewhat limited that day because we're going to move these chairs out, bring in tables. There's going to be chicken and waffles. There's going to be good music. Pastor Ephraim will be with us that day, our founding pastor, to share with us. We'll hear from Pastor Dennis uh, via video because his schedule did not allow him to be with us this year. But we want you to be there as well. And so please, please, please don't assume you can wait and get in there. Space is limited, and so we want to have everybody register for that gospel brunch. We also want to remind you about the 20th, the 20 and Beyond Fund that we created as a part of this celebration. We want to go ahead and seed uh, dollars towards what we believe God will call us to do over the next 20 years. And so we've set a goal of raising $150,000 by the end of this month. We started back in November, and God has been super faithful already. To, to help us to move towards that goal and to exceed that goal. And we want to invite you to help us and give towards the 20 and beyond fund. And so in all the normal ways that you give, whether through the Church Center app or through the website, we want to encourage you to go there and give a designated gift towards the 20 and beyond fund. One of the things I love about this church is the young people of our church. When I first came to Sanctuary 12 years ago, I was the youth pastor here. I was working with the, with the young people, and my heart will forever be with the youth of this church because I believe they are not only the future of our church, but they are our church's present as well. Amen. And we want to go ahead and invest some dollars into them and their well-being. And so one day soon, they will be leading this church, and we want to leave it in good hands. And so please consider how you might give towards the 20 and beyond fund. If you have your Bibles, can you open them? today to Psalm 13. We're going to look at verse 1 through 3 to begin. Psalm 13, verse 1 through 3 is where we're going to begin today. Here's what the Word of God says. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. Verse 3 again, look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Calling today's message in this series that we're calling Pick Up the Phone, Today's message is entitled, can, can I say that? Can, can you say that? And the hope of this series is that we would know that prayer is communication with God. Prayer is an opportunity for us to commune with and communicate with the God of all creation. 
God is always speaking to us, and the encouragement this month is for us, brothers and sisters, to learn how to pick up the phone. And in this message today, the second in this series, we want to encourage you that as you are speaking to God, that it is important for us to learn to be honest with God in our prayers. If you are a fan of college of football, particularly college football, you will likely know the name Manti Teo. From 2008 to 2012, Manti Teo was the superstar linebacker for the University of Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Manti was one of the greatest athletes ever to come through this historic football program. He was a star on the field and he was a cultural icon all around. Manti Teo was a native of Hawaii. He was of Samoan ancestry. His, his faith was very important to him. He was gentle and kind and humble. He, he was the kind of guy that if you have a daughter, you, you'd be like, I would love for my daughter to meet a young man like that. Manti Teo was a great individual. And at the height of his fame, a tragic and confusing incident took place. September of 2012, Manti Teo announced to the world that his grandmother had passed away. And he announced that on the very same day that he had lost his grandmother, his girlfriend had also died after battling leukemia for some time. It was heartbreaking news. And because Manti Teo was so beloved, everybody rallied around him. His team rallied around him. The university rallied around him. The, the, the people of Hawaii rallied around their native son. The general public, including people like me who can't stand Notre Dame, <laughs> rallied around Manti Teo because he was just that good of a person. But imagine how strange it was to hear a few days later that the news about his girlfriend had been a giant hoax. Need to be clear, he had not perpetuated the lie. He himself had been lied to. Manti Teo's girlfriend was the girlfriend that didn't exist. Manti Teo had been the victim of what we now know as catfishing. For months, he had been in a long-distance relationship with someone claiming to be a Stanford University student named Lene Kakua. And in the recently released Netflix documentary by that name, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist, we learn more of the troubling details of this ordeal. We, we learn from and hear from the person, the young man who masterminded this lie, who invented the persona of Lene and pretended to even be members of her, uh, her family. We hear from the person who created a Facebook profile who stole pictures from one of their classmates and used those pictures to pretend they were their own. We learn from the person who initiated the contact with Manti Teo and for months of texting and phone calls was able to deceive this star athlete. We learn about the ways that no matter how much effort Manti put into meeting his girlfriend, she refused, and she kept up a series of lies that would prevent them from ever meeting face-to-face -face or even via video call. I remember this story breaking 10 years ago 
2012, 2013, and I remember going through a roller coaster of emotions, even though I didn't even know this dude personally. At first, I was, I was confused, and then I was angry because I felt like this person had misrepresented, that, that Manti had misrepresented himself. And then I, was, I felt sorry and compassion towards him because I felt like he had been tricked. As we watched, and even now, and as more and more people become aware of the documentary, we learn a concerning lesson about integrity in our day, in a day and time where it's pretty easy to represent yourself to be something completely different than what you really are. Catfishing. I'm from the South, but we talk about catfish. I'm talking about hot sauce, light bread. But this is something very different. This catfishing is a phenomenon of internet predators fabricating online identities and entire social circles to trick people into emotional and romantic relationships over time. They they work because in order to catfish someone, Distance is needed to be kept. Like you have to keep distance between you and the person you are misrepresenting yourself to. And the motivations of catfishing can be many things, revenge, loneliness, curiosity, and boredom. But the core motivation is almost always deception. And friends, the reality is as online dating and social media continues to grow, catfishing will grow as well. And as sad as the story of Manti Teo is, there is a different kind of catfishing that I'm far more concerned with today, Sanctuary Family. While I pray that none of us will ever fall victim to this sort of online catfishing, I stand before you today and I'm concerned that if we are not careful, many of us will begin to fall into becoming a catfisher. Perhaps not the emotional and romantic kind, I'm concerned that we might fall into the trap of spiritually catfishing God when we pray. We, we catfish God in our prayers. We catfish God in our prayers when we never truly speak to God from the depths of our heart. We, we catfish God when we pray. When, when we pray for God to fix others, to fix them, to fix the brokenness out there, and never ask for God to transform us. We, we catfish God when we bring our prayers to God. We just sang, oh, come to the altar. And we bring our prayers to the altar, and then we say amen, and we pick those same concerns up, and we walk away with them again. We catfish God all the time. But in this month of prayer, there is an invitation for every single one of us, your pastor included, to grow in our honesty when we pray. The hope of this message is to remind you today that our prayer lives change the moment we take off those masks. And I'm not talking about the COVID-19 mask. It's another conversation for another time. Don't quote me on that. I'm talking about the mask that we hide behind and we put a false face to the world and even to God. 
Somebody asks you how you're doing. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, brother. <laughs> Too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> what does that even mean? God can't bless who you're pretending to be. God can't heal what you're busy trying to conceal. When we hide from God in the course of praying, we short-circuit the very things that we've been longing for and waiting for God to do in us and through us. And so the reminder today, friends, is simply this. Let's be honest with God when we pray. If you're going to take the time to pray, you might as well pray for real. You might as well bring your real self to the prayer. And so what does it mean for us to be honest with God in our prayers? I believe in our text today, David gives us a clear model for what it means to be honest with God in our prayers. Let's look at our text again. Hear these words from, from King David. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I Fall. David writes, he speaks to God, and he poses a question to God four times. David says, how long, Lord? How long? How, how long will, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How, how long must I wrestle with these thoughts and be stuck in these feelings of sorrow? How long will my enemies triumph over me? How long, Lord, before you show up in the ways that you promised me that you would? David pours out emotions, raw emotions, and he sets these feelings of fear and frustration and sorrow and of forsakenness before God. David does not do what we've been taught to do in church. Many of us grew up in churches where we were told, you don't question God. And I understand what the elders were trying to teach us when they told us that. That there is a place of honor and a place of respect that must always be kept between us, the created, and God, who is the creator. But even if I don't question God, I've matured in my face enough to know that it's okay to have some questions for God. David comes to God, and he does not hold back on those questions. David says, Lord, how long? How how long, Lord? We just came through Advent. We've talked about waiting, but exactly how long do we have to wait? And and while I'm waiting, why do I have to look over there and see that my enemies are triumphing over me? I'm trying to live faithfully. They're over there cutting up, and they seem to be doing way better than I'm doing. I'm trying to hold myself together. I'm I'm trying to respect my my celibacy and and my friends out there sleeping around with everybody, and and they just got engaged. How long, Lord? I prayed a long time ago, Lord, for for a partner, for a spouse, and you, you, you seem to be saying to me that you would certainly send me one. How long, Lord? 
Lord, I married this joker and, and I pray for him every day and you have not changed his heart. How long, Lord? Lord, you gave me this job. I didn't ask for it. You gave it to me. How long before it starts to make some sense? How long? David does not waste his time going to God and not being honest. David is not afraid to be honest with God. He's honest about the deep questions for God. And then he, he does something that I, I want to encourage us to learn to do. Not only does he express his feelings to God, he goes farther and he, he names what he needs for God to do. Verse 3, David says, he says, look on me, Lord. Answer me, Lord. Give light to my eyes, Lord. D David says, in other words, give me wisdom. Give me perspective. Give me insight. And if you won't do those things, Lord, I'm done. My enemies are going to triumph over me. And I wonder today in this room, among some folks that I know love Jesus, I wonder what it's like in your life for you to be honest with God. Are you angry? Have you told God about it? Are you confused? Have you told God about it? Are you desperate? Feeling like you, you can barely hold on any longer? Have you told God about it? Are you tired? Are you disappointed, dare I say, that you said yes to Jesus because you heard that Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to us? Somebody sang that song and you believed it and you walked that aisle, came and gave your life to Jesus, and your life has been a living hell since. But are you comfortable enough to say that to God? Here in this month of prayer, as we start out this year and throughout the rest of the year, I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, not to bottle up those heartfelt emotions. I want to encourage you in instead to pour out your honest emotions to God because God is not so fragile that God can't hear your heart. Imagine you not sharing your honest feelings with God because you feel like it would hurt God's feelings. If what we share in honest prayer to God hurt God's feelings, that's not God in the first place. When we are honest with God in our prayers, we, we lay down the emotional weight of struggles that are too heavy for us to keep carrying around in the first place. So the reminder today for us, thanks to where is simply this, bring those feelings to the Father in prayer and watch your prayer life change. Feelings are allowed. That's the first reminder for us. As we, as we are honest with God in prayer, we, we learn that our feelings are allowed. The second thing that, that comes very clear for us, becomes very clear for us about honest praying is this. Not only is, are our feelings allowed, confession is required. Confession is required. Psalm 13 is considered a lament psalm. It's a psalm of, of, of writers pouring out their heart to God, expressing to God their, their honest feelings about God. But there is an entire book in the Old Testament called the Book of Lamentations, where, where Jeremiah, who is believed to be the writer, takes it to an entire another level, and he writes an entire book where he just lays his heart bare before God. But in the midst of Jeremiah there in Lamentations chapter 3, laying before God all his feelings and emotions, 
his struggles, his challenges, his fears. In verse 40 of Lamentations chapter 3, Jeremiah says something else to us that is really, really important for us if we're actually going to be honest with God. He says this in verse 40. He says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven and say, we have sinned and we have rebelled and you, Lord, have not forgiven. Friends, as we're learning to be honest with God about what's wrong out there, as we're learning to be honest with God about what's broken in other people, we we might as well go ahead and be honest about what's broken in here as well. Amen, Pastor Edra. Confession is absolutely required if we're going to be honest with God. Laying down the burdens of sin, that kind of confession, it's, it's us laying down a burden, again, that we were never intended to carry. And being honest about our sins and our sins, it affects our position and our posture before God. You see, confession is, is like falling down before God, laying before God the truth of our brokenness. And it's not as if God doesn't already know our brokenness. God is not surprised that we need a Savior. God certainly sees our brokenness already. And so when we do the the whole game of trying to hide our sins from God, it's not working. In fact, God is more aware of our brokenness than even we are. Self-deception is real. But here's the thing, God already knows about it. Pastor, why do I even have to tell him then? Because as a loving parent will often say to their children who are growing and maturing, you got to learn how to use your words. And that's, that's what prayer is, learning to use our words. That's what confession is, learning to say, Lord, I, I know you already know, but I want you to hear it from me as well. Lord, that thing I said I was never going to do again, (laughs) I did it. (laughs) That place I said I was never going to go again, somehow I ended up back there again, Lord. Can you do a work in my heart? And, And David, who wrote Psalms 13, knew exactly what it was to pray that kind of prayer. You, you may be familiar. Psalm 51 is one of the most well-known psalms in all of the, of the Psalter. And David says this in Psalm 51, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And so you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. David says a few verses later in verse 10, a familiar passage for for many of us. David cries out to the Lord, create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Instead, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then he goes on to say that if you do that, I'll teach other transgressors your ways. 
Brothers and sisters, as we're learning to be honest with God, we've got to know that, yes, we say to God, here's what I'm feeling, Lord. Here's what I'm expected, what I expected, and here's what it seems like is happening, Lord. But at the same time, we've got to confess that, Lord, there are some things that I may be doing that may be getting in the way of you doing what you want to do in me and through me. Feelings are allowed when we're being honest with God. And confession is required when we're being honest with God. The third and final thing I want to point out about what it looks like to be honest with God today, we find it back there in Psalm 13, verses 5 through 6. Trust and praise will always follow our honesty. Trust and praise will always follow our honesty. Here's what Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6 says. After David has laid out this series of questions, Lord, how long? How long? How long? Lord, do this for me or else I'm in trouble. He he comes to a place of settling in and he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise For he has done, he has been good to me. David reminds us here in verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 13 that when we are honest with God through prayer, it's not about us putting God in God's place. Honesty with God in prayer is about us getting into our rightful place. Honest, heartfelt prayer, it corrects our posture. It corrects our position. When we are honest with God, we receive a series of adjustments. We we, we get an attitude adjustment when we are honest with God. We, We get a spirit adjustment when we are honest with God. Our vision is adjusted when we are honest with God, and and our view of the Father is made clear. And the added bonus is, not only do we see God more clearly, we begin to see ourselves more clearly. My family was scheduled to fly to South Carolina on Christmas Day, and our flight was canceled in the great Southwest fiasco. And so we went back home, and we, we were able to get out a few days later, but we had a few days here in Minnesota. And there's this uh, situation going on, this, this thing in my neighborhood where the folks who clear the sidewalks and the folks who plow the streets, they don't like each other, apparently. <laughs> right? And so there had been some snow, and the guys... Uh, came by and did the sidewalk and cleared out the sidewalk. And then the guys driving the great big trucks came by speeding and and just piled all the snow up, even the heavy, the the nasty kind of snow, up in back in the walkway, right? And my wife didn't have any understanding about any of that. She said, you need to go and clear that off again. (laughs) And because I like sleeping in the house, I... um, I took my shovel and I went out and I began to clear that walkway after it had just been cleared. Um, And then the guy came back and decided to unclear it, if that's a thing. And about three shovels in, my back started screaming. 
I, I, I messed up my back terribly that day. And so I've been, I've been dealing with some terrible back pain since Christmas Day. And on Thursday, I was on the phone with Elder Rosemary, the chair of our elder board, and as she always does, she consistently does this. It's a blessing to me. She said, Pastor, how can I pray for you? And she says it in such a way that I believe she actually will pray for me and wants to know what's going on. And so I told her a few things happening in my life with my family and my mom. And then I said, Elder Rosemary, I jacked up my back the other day. And she said, well, I, I want to pray for you. But she said, I also want to send you the information from my chiropractor. <laughs> I love Pastor Elder Rosemary's wisdom. She, she's like, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to tell you about a chiropractor. And so I, I, I'm setting up an appointment to go and get an adjustment for my bad back. Because my back is jacked up right now and it hurts to stand up. My, my back is jacked up and it hurts to sit down. My back is jacked up and it hurts to lie down. And so I need a professional, someone whose hands have been gifted by God to give me an adjustment. And brothers and sisters, when we pray and when we're honest in our prayers, God gives us an adjustment that changes our posture. It, it, it frees us. It allows us to lift up our arms where right now it kind of hurts to do that. It allows us to, to fall down on the ground on our knees before the Father. And I, I'm not going to do that because brothers be coming up here to help me get up if I did that right now. But when we pray honestly with God, it allows us to fall down and worship before the Father. It changes our posture when we come to God and we are honest in prayer. Honest prayer brings us to a place where we can trust God again and we can praise God again. And here, get this, we don't even have to wait until the situation gets worked out. Honest prayer reminds us when we come to God in prayer and we lay everything on the table and we confess to God what we've done and we say to God, but in the midst of it, I remember who you are. In the midst of all this, I remember what you have done. In the midst of it, I remember that you have been good to me and it allows us to trust God again and to praise God again. Amen. Honest prayer, honest prayer brings us into proximity with God again. It brings us into proximity of God's loving embrace. This, this week as I prepared and prayed for this message, there, there was a mental image that the Lord gave me time and time again. It was simply this of, of the Father holding his arms out, welcoming us into his loving embrace. That was, that was the image I needed to see this week, and I believe the Lord wanted me to, to give that to you all, that the Father is standing with his arms wide open, welcoming you into his loving embrace. He's not saying, hey, you get clean, and then you come in, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hug. He's not saying, hey, you go and work that out, and then come in and, and earn yourself a hug. The Father, right now, is standing with his arms wide open, welcoming us into his loving embrace. And that's only possible when we come to the Lord in honest prayer. 
You see, the, the goal of prayer and the goal of catfishing are completely opposite. You see, with catfishing, you, you want to deceive, right? And the last thing you want to do is ever come face to face with the person you're trying to deceive. You can't catfish somebody when you're face to face with them. The jig is up, right? But in prayer, that is the goal. That when we pray, it brings us face to face with God. It allows us to get past all the brokenness, to get past all the confusion, to get past the sin that is taking place in our lives, to get past the lies that the enemy has said over us. And when we pray honestly, we come face to face with the God of all creation who loves us, who knows us, who heals us, who saves us, and who wants nothing more than to heal all our brokenness. So my brother, my sister today, the encouragement for you is to be honest with God. Take off the mask. Come on up, worship team. The Father is waiting. The Father is calling. The Father sees you. The Father loves you. The Father wants a relationship with you. But the Father doesn't want one with the fake you, the professional you. You know how we code switch? When we walk into the office, hey, what's up, guy? What, what is that sound? You know, you know what I'm talking about. And all of us do it. Regardless of your culture, at some point, you code switch. God's saying, hey, I created you, the real you. I love you, the real you. And I want to heal and dwell with you, the real you. And so my prayer for you, Sanctuary, is that you will grow in confidence not to be the person that the world has said you need to be, but that you would grow in your confidence to be who God has created you to be. It's exhausting to pretend to be somebody else, isn't it? And I pray today that the healing you receive is simply to be who God has called you to be. That you are the head and not the tail. That you are above and not beneath. You are blessed in the city and blessed in the field. You are blessed going out and blessed coming in. That you don't have to perform for anybody. You don't have to pretend to be perfect for anybody. You don't have to hide your mess from anybody. The person you're hiding your mess from, they're jacked up too. I pray freedom over us this year. We can take off the mask and we can lean into being who God has created us to be. Father, thank you so much for loving us in such a way you created us just as you desire us to be. God, the world speaks all kinds of things over us. And after a while, we begin to believe what the world says about us. 
We begin to shrink ourselves down to make others comfortable. We begin to, 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 to peel back the truth of who you are and who you call your people to be so that others might be comfortable. God, all the while, all the while we're, we're slowly dying inside. But God, today I pray healing over your people. I pray that we would grow in confidence to be 100% of who you called us to be. God, I pray that when we open your word, we might see ourselves there. God, I pray for, for the brother and sister in this room who's never seen himself or herself as worthy before. I pray right now, God, that you would lift their spirits. God, I, I, I ask this of us, not for any individualistic, selfish reasons. I ask it because this world needs to see what a person who is sold out to Jesus looks like. A person who sees him or herself the way that God sees them looks like. You've set us in some incredible places across the Twin Cities metro and beyond. And God, you need us to walk into those places being completely who you've called us to be. So I pray that for my brother, my sister right now. That from this day forward, they will take off that mask and they would be the man and woman of God you've called them to be. Father, we love you. As we worship today, I pray, God, that you will continue to seal and work in us. And as we go back into the world, bless us, God, to be who you've called us to be. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people say together, amen.